0: Let me ask you this question, and I'm going to ask a lot of questions today, and I want us to just be really authentic with each other, okay? How many of you, you, you believe that, that our God has the power to so, touch a sick body and make that sick body well? Anybody, show of hands? Okay. We believe, we because believe, some of you had sick bodies and God's hand touched you, right? When, when I, I was imagining as we are singing that first song that, that I've seen cancer disappear, Tell me that he won't do it. And I I think about some of you, like your names. I've seen relationships restored. I, I think of some of you, like the miracles that we're singing about have faces and have names. In fact, I believe that God absolutely heals the sick, the lame, the downtrodden, the depressed. And in fact, if we'll look through all of Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, There's miracle after miracle after miracle and healings that are taking place all throughout the scriptures. We have a tendency to shy away from those things because we've allowed the enemy to come in and tell us that, well, that happens, but it'll never happen for you. You'll never experience that. And and the Bible is full of stories of, of healings that take place. And it would be a lot easier if there were a lot of stories where that wasn't always the case, because there's moments that you and I have prayed for things that God just seemed to did not answer the prayer the way that we we would like. Now, the New Testament, there's at least 30 different miracles where Jesus healed people that had sickness in their body, at least 30 of those. And it's implied all throughout the scripture that there were hundreds and hundreds of more healings that took place that we don't even get to read about. And Jesus opened the blind eyes he healed the lame he raised the dead he cured the sick he did all these things and if you look at the book of Acts there's a time when the Apostle Paul was preaching and he preached so long that Luke says this that that Paul went on and on and on and on you ever been to a church like that not this one Um, have you ever been so bored in the middle of a sermon that you fell asleep? Right? Let me tell you a quick story. Our youth group went to a, um, an Atlanta Braves game, and we were up all night, and our youth pastor said, hey, go to bed, because we're getting up the next morning, and we're going to First Baptist Church of Atlanta. We're going to see Dr. Charles Stanley preach, okay? I was like, eh, that dude's like a TV star. I've seen him on TV on Sunday morning. Ratted myself out, because I wasn't going to church, because Charles Stanley comes on when you should be in church and this thing we got the first Baptist Church and I sat there and halfway through Dr. Stanley's amazing message I felt myself going into a state of prayer where God was speaking And the next weekend a friend of mine said hey my parents were watching the Charles Stanley because they would record it and then show it the next week and you were asleep in the sermon so don't feel bad if, if you've fallen asleep too but anyway the Apostle Paul's preaching the sermon, and it says that he's going on and on and on. And in the middle of this sermon, there's a poor guy named Eutychus. He's a kid, and he's sitting in the window listening, but he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, he falls out of the window and dies. Now, I have preached some bad sermons. I will be the first to confess, but I don't think I've ever preached a sermon that literally killed somebody. And the Bible says that, that Paul hears the thump. The boy's there, the boy's dead, and he's thinking to himself probably like, man, look, that was an incredible sermon. Like, people are passing out. But Paul walks down, and he lays hands on this kid, and he raises him from the dead. And you know what Paul did? He went back to preaching. He didn't, kept, he, like, he just kept preaching. Um, not the fact that you should probably be done because you're killing kids in windows. And so Paul kept preaching, and he healed him in that moment. There is a story of healing. I mean, I read stories like that, and I think I, I have to believe in, in the fact that God does. He has the power to when he wants to, and however he wants to. In fact, this is what Jesus says in John's Gospel of John chapter 14. Now, John chapter 14 is an interesting chapter because Jesus is talking to his disciples. He starts off by telling them that, that don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I know you're worried about everything that's happening and all that you're seeing around. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Trust in God. Because I'm going to a place that is going to have many mansions that I go to prepare for you. If that wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you. And Jesus goes down, and then he gets down a little bit more in John 14, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's all about belief. And it's interesting that in John chapter 14, when Jesus is testing their beliefs and asking him to trust them, there's this one little guy named Thomas. You guys remember Thomas, the doubter? Thomas is asking a bunch of questions, which is good. We would give Thomas a hard time because he doubted. But that's what, Thomas is the the definition of what a Christian should be. We should be asking lots of questions, right? We should be wrestling with the tensions uh, of what it is the Holy Spirit's trying to to reveal to us. And and in this moment, Jesus is teaching about trust and, and teaching about belief in him. And then he comes to this verse in John chapter 14, 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to my Father. Now, if we just stop that verse right there, we'd say, okay, well, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to get some business, and I'm about to start healing people and get my own TV show. But what he's showing, if you jump into the next chapter 15, you realize that that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is coming, that is the helper, the parakletos, the helper, our advocate. And so he says... That you can do greater things than these. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus healed the sick. He was the greatest pastor ever. He didn't preach funerals. He just resurrected the dead. And and people were flocking to him, bringing people to him to be healed. So I believe that same power that healed the sick when Jesus walked the earth is the same one today. Anybody else? Okay. I want you to relax a little bit. I feel like y'all get nervous when we start talking about things that, that, that seem outside your scope. I'm trying to bring these inside your scope because when you, when you try to run from the tension and you don't embrace the tension, you miss all that God has. And then we get some smaller God when God's so much bigger than, than what we see. So, so he, he heals the sick, and God does it through the faithful prayers of his people. And we pray. We pray. And we believe, as we just read in Ephesians chapter 3, that we believe that God can do exceedingly more than we can ever ask or imagine. Has he ever done that in your life? Have there been things that you've looked at and been like, I don't know how that happened, but that happened. That was exceedingly more than what I'd asked for. Thank you for not giving me what I asked for, that you gave me more than I could ever have dreamed. And that's the God that we serve. But sometimes when you believe God can and he doesn't, it can unsettle you, can it? I know he can. I know God right now could fix every issue that we have here in the United States, that he can fix every problem that we have in our entire world. There would not be another person that would go to bed at night, abused, hungry, detached from society, that God could step in at any single moment, and, and he can do it all. But there's sometimes when you believe God can and he doesn't, and then that, that shakes our theology. It shakes how we believe, because we ask the question, where is God? God, you all remember when September 11th happened, that's one of the number one questions, where's God in all this, how could God let this happen, how could God allow these people to be on an airplane and be used and killed for an agenda that's not even a good agenda, how how could something like this happen, where is God, and we will often find ourselves asking that question in the middle of when it, it doesn't add up with our theological views, because you may say, the God that I know, I know, I pray, and I believe, but I believe in Him. but my kid still has massive migraines. My, my friend still suffers from massive depression issues, and I've prayed, and God hasn't answered. So how do you reconcile those things? That, you know, God, we've prayed, but they still died of cancer. They, they still had to struggle through the cancer. I, I know that you could but why didn't you? Anybody? Am I the only one that asked that question? Because I think it's fair that we have to figure out how do we reconcile what we do and how do we go before God and how do we pray if we believe that he can and we know that he has, but he doesn't always do what we know that he can do. That's a tough one, isn't it? That's, that's a, That's a hard question to to try to answer. And I'm not going to be able to answer that question today. So if you're like, oh, I've been waiting on this answer for a long time. I can't. But what I can do is give you a foundation uh, to kind of work theologically around as you continue to pursue that question with God. And so I want to talk to you today in a way that might answer a few of the questions that you have. And at the same time, I want to help you to be able to build a faith around this God who hears our prayers and does miracles. And even though he may not always... He does. So let's, let's look at a foundational thought. Our thought is this, that we need to understand and embrace truth. And truth is Jesus. And so here's our truth. Our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. I wish, I, I wish that we could just say our God heals and he does it every single time. But he doesn't always do that. And I think a lot of you would know that would be true because most of you have said and have prayed for things to happen that didn't happen. Some of you are praying right now for things to happen and you feel like nothing's happening. And a lot of people don't realize and recognize that this is true in Scripture with people too. So a lot of times we hear that God can do all these things and we hear that God wants to heal, but there, there are points in Scripture where, where God could and he doesn't. For instance, there's a guy named Trophimus. He was one of Apostle Paul's best friends, and he was going with Paul on his third missionary journey. But Trophimus got sick, like really sick, and God didn't heal Trophimus. Now, he's a missionary with Paul. You would think this guy is starting this new movement, that God would do something special with him. No, he didn't. And a matter of fact, when we go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see Trophimus is sick, and Paul is closing out his letter to Timothy. And and this is what Paul says. Tell this person this, and, and say this, and it's, winter's coming. And by the way, I left Trophimus back there because he was sick. Like, Paul just abandoned the dude who was sick. Didn't even, like, I prayed for him, God didn't heal him, I just left him, and I just went on. So we, we, have, we have this story that Trophimus is sick, and God, God didn't heal him. Or the same with Timothy. Timothy, we can, we can read in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Timothy had, and these are like little small verses, you just got to catch them. Timothy was having a lot of stomach issues. And he had prayed, and God didn't, didn't heal the issues, and Paul prayed over him, and, and he didn't get rid of the issues. So Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, this might be some of your favorite verse right here. He says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine. Some of you don't get that tattooed on your arm this week. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. In other words, uh, God, God could have healed him, but God didn't, so he... So Paul says, just use whatever you can just to get rid of the ailment. God could have, but God didn't. He could have healed Trophimus, he didn't. He could have healed Timothy of this stomach ailment, he didn't. But but watch this one. Then there's Apostle Paul, and you know there's a story that Paul talks about this thorn that's in his flesh. And a lot of scholars go back and forth about what was this? Was it a physical thorn that God had that he had? Of like a physical issue or, or was it like some spiritual attacks that Paul w- was, was experiencing, but it says that there was a thorn in his flesh And we don't know for sure, but from what scholars are saying and what the biggest guess has been is Paul had a really bad eyesight This is why I don't know if y'all watched Jeopardy last week And if you did and you caught this this is fantastic But in Jeopardy they asked the question who wrote the book of Hebrews and somebody's like oh It was this person and it was this person and then somebody put the Apostle Paul and they said, you're right, you win. And they won Jeopardy. The problem is that we don't know for a fact that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. It never says that he wrote the book of Hebrews. So now there's this big theological debate on Jeopardy with all the biblical scholars and all of the academia people going, that was wrong, she lost. But the reason we don't know that is because we don't have any documentation showing that that was 100% Paul. But what a lot of people believe is that Paul was telling someone what to write. And the reason we don't know that it was Paul is is also because Paul's grammar in Greek was really polished and clean. The grammar in in, in Greek that is in the Hebrew is not as clean as it is in everything else. Either that Paul didn't write it or Paul did write it but he told someone what to write and they probably was not very good at Greek grammar. Um, but the reason that he would have had somebody write this is his eyesight was going bad. He couldn't see. And so Paul said, I've, let's just say that's what it is. It is his thorn in his side. It's his bad eyesight. And Paul pleads in the Bible. He says that Paul pleaded three times. What Not, not like a 30-minute prayer session. He pleads three times. We're talking about three seasons, three ongoing, passionate, desperate prayer times of asking God to please take this ailment away from me. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm, I'm going to show you that my grace is enough to get you through this, but I'm not going to take your bad eyesight away. Now, I don't know how those three stories fit with you. But I, but I do want you to see that God doesn't always, for whatever reason, doesn't always heal people. Sometimes he allows things to happen. Our God often does. But when he doesn't, how do we deal with that? I mean, I think that's the question that we should probably really zone into because I think there are times where we've prayed God didn't, and then, then what makes it worse are Christians who say really what they want it to be meaningful, but what comes out is really hurtful. Like I've heard people say things like, well, I know, I know that your mom's sick, but, and, and, but the, reason that, the reason that God's not healing her is because you're not praying right whoa. The reason that God's not ill her, you're not giving enough money to the church. Right? Like, I, I'm hearing your responses, that's mine too, of going, can we for one moment just backslide and slap these people? Just for just for one moment. You're not praying right, you're not doing something right, this is why you're sick. I read a story not long ago of someone who, who believed that, that their self-worth was, was, was trash because they were really sick, and their pastor told them, the reason you're sick is because you're not obedient enough to the Scriptures. That's why you're sick. And I'm like, how do you even reconcile that? What about this guy over here that's killed like 50 people, and he's got his own Netflix series? I mean, how do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how could we be so ca- careless with our words when people are going through those things, he, can I just give you some best advice when people are like, I'm praying and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do about why it's not happening. I don't know. But what I do know is God heals. That's what I do know. But he doesn't always. But what I'll commit to doing as a brother and sister in Christ is pray that God will bring healing because he can, but I will also pray that he will bring you peace in the process. That we can, that's the hope that we can offer. We have to be very careful because well-meaning Christians can sometimes give guilt and condemnation on to people. And it can cause people to walk away from the gospel, period. Because sometimes before people encounter Jesus, they encounter you who claim to know Jesus. And that Jesus that you know will tell them everything about the Jesus that you say that you serve. And if your Jesus doesn't line up with this Jesus, they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. That makes sense? There's a whole world full of people that feel that way. So what do we do with a God that we know can and doesn't always do it? And and we want to be able to grow our faith through this, knowing that God can heal, but he doesn't always do it. Let me give you three reasons why Jesus did not do uh, miracles all the time. He often did many miracles. We've uncovered that, but sometimes he didn't. So why didn't Jesus always do miracles? Number one reason is this, that Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. He refused to perform miracles to prove himself. Have you ever prayed like this? God, if you would do this for me. And I don't know what your crazy thing was after that. Like, I should be a missionary in, like, Antarctica right now from the prayers that I've prayed. Anybody else there? Like, you, you've caught your, God, if you will do this, I will read the Bible through in a whole year, and I will learn it in Greek and Hebrew. If you will just, y'all ever done that? I'm the only one. I know when y'all are in high school and college, y'all did that. I'll have kids here at the school that they'll get ready to take a test. Like, oh, Jesus is like, oh, too late to be calling on him now. Like, he coming through for you now. Sometimes we, we pray with this approach that, God, if you'll do this one thing, then I'll do this thing. And, it's, and that's like kind of telling God that I'm going to control this. I wish that God worked like that. That, God, if you will just heal this person. Take this pain away. Take this sickness away. I will do anything that you want me to do. But then, if that's the case, and I persuade God that way, is He really God at that point? Because who has the power? Who has the power? He's God, and for some reason, He does what He wants. And I have to—I just have to fall into the fact that what the Old Testament says is that His ways are higher than my ways. I'm going to be honest. There's things that that I've been through in life with him that didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense at all. Like, you could write it down on a piece of paper and read it. The numbers didn't add up. The story didn't add up. How this was going to take place didn't add up. Nothing added up. And then it happened. And then, I remember when we were trying to start the church, I had this list of things that we would do. This was my list. This is how we're going to do this. And then we get into it. And then God's telling me, he's got, God slides my list out of the way and gives me a whole other list. And I'm looking at it going, "Nope, the ex, no, God, the experts say, <laughs> y'all had that conversation with God too. The experts say, this is how you do it. And my paper kept getting moved off the table because his ways were higher than my ways. And, and so there, there's oftentimes we've got to remember that he knows more than we do. It's the bigger picture. We're, we're parts of the puzzle. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together without the box? Y'all should do that. I know some of your families over Thanksgiving. Put a different puzzle box on the table and take the real one away and let's see what happens. Um, real joy. And give you awesome opportunities to pray for people. Um, relational issues that are going to develop. But there are often times that, that God, for some reason, doesn't do it. He refuses to perform miracles to prove himself. We, we see this in Mark's Gospel in Mark chapter 8. It says the Pharisees came and they begin to argue with him. Seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. In other words, show us who you are. If you're really who you say you are. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. And he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Why do you need a sign? He said, truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. I'm not, I'm not going to do some miracle to prove myself. We saw this on the cross of Jesus. If you're truly the son of God, then save yourselves and save us with you. And then he got chastised by the other thief. They said, called him a fool and said, this, this man truly is the son of God. He didn't need a sign. He knew this was the Messiah. So Jesus is like, I'm not doing miracles to prove myself. I do miracles that are in line with the heart of God. Like, I'm doing miracles not to, to try to show, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Notice every time that Jesus does a miracle. Let's go back to Lazarus in John chapter 11. He heals Lazarus and he said, I did this so that the father would receive glory. It was always... Notice Jesus' posture is always pointing back to the Father. I'm doing this for the Father's glory. Father's glory. You'll see that terminology used. So oftentimes, he doesn't heal because he's not, he refuses to perform miracles to prove himself. He also, the second reason, Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. There's a, this is the puzzle piece. Like there's a much bigger picture to the puzzle that we don't see and, and I, I'm telling you there's a lot of times I don't like what I see but I know that there's something going on beyond what I can see that my eyesight is limited my spiritual sight is limited by what the Father can see Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan and I can give you an example of this Jesus, where Jesus chooses to do a miracle in one moment and later he withholds a miracle when it was within his power to do it here's an example Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss on the cheek in the garden of Gethsemane the other disciples are pretty ticked at this uh, particularly this one disciple named Peter who grabs his knife his sword he chops the ear of Malchus off like just chops his ear off um, And Peter's like, you're not going to do that to Jesus. You're not going to arrest Jesus. You're not going to betray Jesus. And so he goes after the soldier, cuts the ear off. And Peter's ready to brawl at this point. And he's waiting on Jesus to have some type of response. And here's what Jesus does. It wasn't what Peter thought. Jesus reaches down and picks this guy's ear up. And imagine the moment. This guy's screaming in pain. Blood's going everywhere. Peter's got his sword ready for the next person to come after him. The other disciples are trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And Jesus reaches down and approaches Malchus and holds his hand up against his head and puts his ear back on. And in that moment, Jesus, pay attention, this was a Roman guard. This was the enemy coming to arrest him without any just cause. And Jesus puts his ear back on and then he has this teaching moment with Peter. And, he, and, he, and Peter is like, I'm not going to let this happen to you, Jesus. And then Jesus doesn't do a miracle. And he says, you know, I could have watched. He says this, don't, don't you realize that I, because he's telling Peter this, this is the miracle that he didn't do. Because the one miracle, he, hears, he heals the ear, here's the second one. Peter, did you not realize that at any moment I could have called down a whole army of angels to destroy all of this? And I didn't. Could have gotten himself out of the situation. Could have gotten everyone at any moment. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' prayer was, you know, if there's, if there's any other way, God, your will, it is. But if there's another way, and there was. Another way was to completely walk away from it and call down a legion of army angels. And just wipe them all out. And Jesus didn't, and I think this was a turning point for Peter. Because Peter had been there through every single miracle. And for this one, I think his whole theology was knocked out of whack and he had to rebuild it. So in one moment, Jesus does a miracle. In another moment, when it interfered with God's ultimate plan, because the ultimate plan was to get to the cross, Jesus withholds the miracle. So even when the disciples around him didn't fully understand, when when Jesus did not do the miracle, he said, I'm not going to do it to prove myself, and I'm not going to do anything that would have a, temporarily earth, uh, a temporary earthly benefit at the cost of an eternal godly benefit. So here's the third reason. Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. Where there was no faith. So you, you kind of have to look, if you're praying and asking God, to, you need to follow, like look at these three things as handles to figure out Kind of what's going This isn't a game where we're trying to figure out the right code so God heals us. It's to give us understanding of why sometimes he does and he doesn't. And I don't think we'll ever have the full answer on this side of eternity. But when Jesus goes to his hometown, people were not impressed. They were like, This is this guy right here, he's this is Mary and Joseph's kid, right? He had nothing special. We went to school with him, he got honor student every time, he got perfect attendance every time. But he's just like us. And they were not impressed with him in Nazareth. Matter of fact, there's one story where they grab him, and they're going to throw him off of a cliff. Now, you have probably have been in some pretty bad situations in your life. But I don't know if anybody's ever grabbed you and taken you up to the cliff to throw you off. I hope not anyway. And so they grab him, they take him, they're going to throw him off. And Jesus didn't do any miracles in his own hometown among his people that knew him. think about that And Scripture says that he did not do any miracles there and here's why it says because of their lack of faith they didn't believe that I was the Messiah so we have to understand that our faith moves the heart of God our faith matters to God when you pray in faith it touches the heart of God because we we believe that's why we stand here before the the service starts and say you know we, we believe that God can do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine to him be the glory Forever and ever amen to him it's making these bold declarations that that our faith oftentimes will will linger and our faith oftentimes will become weak but god is asking us to build our faith to trust and believe that he can do anything that he can do that's all that faith is is believing that god can do what he says he can do and that god is who he says he is that's it now where is your faith in that where, where's our faith in believing I gave you this example a few weeks ago, we talked about it, but the woman who couldn't stop bleeding for 12 years, her faith to push through the crowd and touch just the hem of the garment to be healed. And she would find healing in that day. She felt, she felt this power and she was, God called her daughter. There, there was this beautiful moment of healing to where all of her life she'd struggled, but she had the faith just to reach and grab. You had a man with leprosy that falls at the feet of Jesus, and he worshiped him. And Jesus looks at this man, he says, rise and go, because your faith has made you well. And a blind man screams out, I can't see, but I can hear you. And Jesus says, I know there, that they have mercy on you, I hope I have mercy on you. Go, because your faith has healed you. Our faith moves the heart of God. Y'all remember the story of the crippled man, and they, they came into Capernaum, and they needed to get him to the feet of Jesus, but the house where Jesus was teaching was so full that they cut a, a hole in the roof. Y'all remember that? They took the whole, whole the, the roof off the house. Now, I don't know how that went for insurance. Maybe they just said it was, you know, it was a God, an, a, an act of God was, was probably the insurance claim there. But they dropped this man and lowered him through the roof, and Jesus tells him that you have been healed because the faith of your friends. God loves faith. Because it's our faith that connects us to the belief that he's who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. He puts the power in it. We walk by what? Faith and not by sight. A lot of times I think the reasons that we can't grasp these miracles and I'm not telling you today that God's going to answer every single prayer that you pray but what I am going to tell you he's going to hear every prayer that you're going to pray and, and, I'm, and you're going to ask him to please show you where your role is in this. What are you going to do to get glory out of this? And surrender to that that cause. God has not answered every prayer that I've asked. I've had prayers that I have asked personally, and I have been absolutely heartbroken over the fact that God did not come through and answer them the way that I had asked. But he has gotten glory out of those things. And I don't have to understand to trust. I just have to believe and have faith that God knows better than I do. And that is tough. It's hard. What's so interesting to me is that according to Scripture, there's only one thing that we have that ever amazes Jesus. And we see this in all of the Gospels. Jesus is amazed by one thing that we do. He says, do you know what amazes Jesus? Our faith amazes Him. Because He always points out our faith and trusting in Him. So when it comes to faith in Jesus, if Jesus were amazed, would... Your amazement with him would it? He answered. Let's just say whatever prayer that you have that you've been praying, and you saw a miracle happen in front of your face, would it be like, "Wow, this is amazing! I can't believe this. This the scriptures coming alive," or would it be, "Oh, wow. Who cares? Like, where would we stand if we saw that happen? Because I think sometimes we see think God do miracles and we're just, oh, okay, wow, I don't want to be a part of that, or Wow, that's unbelievable. Because we are all sitting miracles in this room right now. Every one of us. We got up this morning, we took a breath, you have, many of you have been through some pretty bad situations in life and God pulled you through those things. If you're standing here today and Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life and you surrendered to his lordship, that's a miracle because you you didn't do anything to make that happen. That's an act of God. Jesus is amazed by powerful, strong faith, but oftentimes it's like we have this insulting faith. We pray prayers that, man, they don't, even, they don't even shake the curtain on the wall, much less shake the gates of hell. Are we praying as if we believe that God can? Do we pray for our community Because I believe that Jeremiah, I think it was Jeremiah that says, if you'll pray, I'll show you things that you've never seen before. You pray with faith, believing that God heals. That God heals. And by the way, the the, the healing may not always be a physical. Somebody's arm gets reattached. It might be that their mental health is restored. We never know what God does healing on the inside, because there's always an internal healing before there's an external that happens. So what do you do if you find that your faith is a little bit on the lower end and you don't feel like you have the faith? What if we were, what if we were more like that? Ah, this is unbelievable that I'm watching this happen, that we get to be a part of that. The good news is that faith moves God. Jesus says this, if, if there's a mountain in your life, if, if there's something that needs to be moved, he says that you can move mountains with faith like a mustard seed which is the smallest of seeds some of you in in what you're praying for you're gonna have to lean on someone else and trust it with someone else's faith tether to them to your faith can get built because you're in a place that you don't believe God can but you know that this person believes it for you and you're gonna have to get around the right people because you, you, you have faith like a mustard seed. In other words, your faith may sometimes be really strong. And there may be other times when it's kind of strong. And then there may be other times when you're struggling. And God loves you enough to work with the faith that you have. But we think we have to have it all together. Listen, when it comes to faith, you just need enough faith for the first step. God will take you on the rest of the journey. But we get held back so much because we can't. We're so limited. Yes, we are. And if you feel like you can't do this, you are in the right place. Because God takes people who are not qualified and he gives them qualifications the journey to do things that you never thought you would do to minister in ways that you never thought that you would minister, to use the giftings that you have to change the world to usher in his kingdom so maybe you're like the dad that's in the scripture who had agony because his son was hurting his son had had been possessed by demons so much that they were throwing him in fire and there were burns that were happening and his dad's desperate cries to believe that jesus can help but he doesn't, he doesn't want to get his hopes up because he doesn't believe that, eh, what if Jesus doesn't heal him from my son being burned? And he, and he prays and he asks and, and God comes and, and Jesus is in this situation with him and he's, he's, the dad looks at him and he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, please do it. He says, if you care and if you can do anything, please do it. And Jesus says, anything is possible for those who believe. And listen to this father's response. The father says something that's so honest that I believe it captures where you and I are a lot of the times when it comes to to miracles and healing. He says, if you can do anything, Jesus, I beg you and plead for you to do this. And the father says, I do believe. I do believe. And then he says this, help me overcome my unbelief. For some of you, the biggest miracle is overcoming your unbelief, the believing in a God that can, but may not always. I believe, but I'm still human. I've seen you do it with other people. I've seen you do it when you're praying for others and then it comes to your situation and you're kind of like, I don't know that he can. Here's what I'm telling you. God, help me overcome my unbelief. In these next moments as we, we close, I want that to be the thing that you ask God to help me overcome my unbelief. Because this is hard stuff, isn't it? It's not easy. It would be easy if Jesus would just answer every prayer or just give us a bunch of stories about how miracles never happened. But they happen. And we don't always know why, we don't always know how, but we do know that God, whenever he chooses to move for his purposes, he does. And some of you don't want to get your hopes up. Because God may not come through. Then I'll say this, even if he doesn't, if he doesn't do what we think that he should, I still believe because my faith isn't based on what he does or doesn't do. My faith is based on who he is. And who he is is an immutable God that never changes. Never changes. You will never wake up and God go, I don't love you anymore. I won't have anything to do with you anymore. I'm going to take this blessing away from you. We serve a God who never changes. So our faith is based on not what he has done or what he did not do. Our faith is based on who he is. Now just a moment. We're going to, our ushers going to come, we're going to give of our offerings today. As we respond, we're going to sing. But we're also going to pray. And this is, this is the part where, I'm asking you boldly because this is a part of the unbelief. That God helped me with my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. For some of you, there's some ailments in your body. There's some sicknesses that you've been fighting. And you need to be prayed for over that. But you believe that God can. There's some of you that there's, there's just some, some issues going on with, with you spiritually, mentally. The enemy's got a stronghold on you right now. And you want to be healed. And you've, you've not asked God to heal you. But you're wrestling with that unbelief today that maybe, maybe he can. Maybe it's not just that you're sick. Maybe you know someone who is or is struggling. And they need a miracle in their life right now. So here's what I want you to do. If that's you, I just want you to stand where you are. If you're like, I need a miracle in my life. I need God to move in my life. If that's you, would you stand right now? And here's how I want this to happen. That it's by our faith. And if you're, if you're not standing, here's what I'd ask you to do. Could you find someone that is? And would you, right now, in this very moment, would you walk and just lay hands on them? Just put your hand on them. They're close by, and you can stand too. But I want you to pray. And here's, here's how I want us to pray. The Bible says if we cry out, if we cry out to God, He hears, he hears us. God hears us. Do you hear me? He hears our our prayers and our cries. Right now, pray for them. You may not know what the situation is that's happening in your life, but what you you want to pray is, God, help their unbelief right now in this moment. Help their unbelief. Let's pray. We, We believe in a God who can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. We believe in a God who heals. We believe in a God of miracles. He's a God that's a way maker. You may be struggling with depression. We've seen it healed. Don't tell us God can't do it. Maybe be struggling with cancer or diagnosis as we've seen it healed, don't tell us God can't do it. He can. Jesus, we pray with all authority of heaven over every situation, over every ailment, over every, everything that's happening in this room that there are miracles that are needed in this place. We know that you can. And Father, we boldly ask you to right now move in this place, move in their lives, move their hearts, take that unbelief and throw it to the wayside. God, give them belief, give them, give them hope. May we have faith that God, we know that you, you love our faith and may we have faith that will move mountains. You've given it to us. Now it's time to activate that. And God, just, just pray in all boldness today that you will bring a mighty move among the people in this room. You are not a God who is distant. You are a God of movement, a God of healing, and we proclaim that today. With the blood of Jesus, we proclaim that today. By his stripes, we have been healed. So God, as we sing, may we continue to pray for one another and ask for you to move. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for the boldness, the faith that it took just to stand and say, pray for me. We know that you're smiling upon them right now. Jesus, be glorified. May you get all honor and glory for anything that happens in this room today. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.